Mindfulness Mode 273. And every time that little girl asked me for something, I would throw a brick at her. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for joining Mindfulness Mode podcast again today. I'm Bruce Langford, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach. If you're in the U.S., I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Last time, we heard from mental resilience expert Sean Douglas about using mindfulness to achieve major levels of mental resilience. He lives it every day. If you missed Sean's episode, it's mindfulnessmode.com slash 272. Now, I do have an announcement for you today, and I think you may be very interested in this. My friend, she's a personal trainer and coach, JJ Flizanes. You probably know her. You've probably heard her on episode 227, which of course is mindfulnessmode.com slash 227. JJ is putting on a live event in Los Angeles in January, and I thought it was a perfect event to share with you. Maybe you're struggling with truly committing to yourself to make changes in your life. JJ knows how to help you release the blocks that are holding you back. In her event, she gives you the time, the space, the tools to release those stubborn blocks. The event is called Releasing What Weighs You Down. There are a limited number of seats. There's also a virtual ticket available if you can't make it to LA. So if you're looking to start 2018 in a positive way to align your mind, body, and soul and release what weighs you down, then this may be perfect for you. If you're wondering if it's perfect, take JJ's survey. Go to my affiliate link for the survey at mindfulnessmode.com slash JJ2018 quiz. To check out or sign up for the event, go to mindfulnessmode.com slash JJ2018. As simple as that. And you can sign up for the event right there. Today, an episode about vagina therapy. There's a little spicy language and the topic is not kid friendly. This is an adult episode. That's why I've labeled this episode explicit on iTunes. Sit back and enjoy and benefit from today's episode with Sophia. Hey, Mindful Tribe, this is going to be an episode that you are not going to forget anytime soon because we are going to be discussing some very interesting, intimate you know, aspects of life. So let me put it that way. I've got an amazing guest with me today, and her name is Sophia Wise One. Sophia, are you in mindfulness mode today? I so am. From the get <laughs> today, in particular, very mindfulness mode for me today. Yeah. Oh, it's like that to be is, here. That is so good. So awesome. Sophia, I'm going to share a little bit with Mindful Tribe about who you are, what you're all about, and then we're going to just get into a very interesting discussion. And this is what I've got right here. Sophia Wise One is an expert in the field of vagina therapy. She's also the creator of the skill-building I Love My Life card game and oracle deck. So that's cool because who doesn't want to kind of cement that information about how to love my life. Sophia is fiercely passionate about helping her clients find and express their true self 
so they can discover their inner wisdom. And of course, some of that is discovered through the field of vagina therapy. So, Sophia, this is going to be so interesting to discover, but before we get right into every aspect of this, I want to ask you about your take on mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you and in your life? Thank you, Bruce. It's good to be here. Mindfulness to me, the word, the concept is about knowing where we are in time and space knowing where we are in our own internal landscape, the land that we inhabit in our own selves that nobody else gets to, you know, be in really. Sometimes people can peer into it. Really insightful people can read into it, but it's, it's ours as well as really knowing where we are in the most like grounded, very earthly based notion of just like, I'm in a house, I'm on the third floor, I'm drinking tea, like just physically knowing where I am in time and space. So the objective to the subjective, but actually having awareness and knowing what those things are. And what those things are, are sometimes taboo. Sometimes they're something we talk about all the time. But, you know, if you could just all of a sudden we plop ourselves on another planet and we're in another place where things aren't taboo, then, of course, in the land of time and space in a woman's life, her vagina is a very important part of her body. It's part of part of, you know, but in our own space here on earth, that's a very taboo topic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, a taboo problem. topic, but it's, in, you know, it's interesting that you are into vagina therapy and vagina massage and, and that kind of thing. Now, how did you land there? How did you end up yeah. being a person that my wife could call if she wants a vaginal massage? Right. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You can. So, so you can call it lots of things, vagina therapy, holistic, uh, vaginal or rectal work, pelvic floor work, um, at, at kind of out in the world. Most of the time you'll hear this referred to as, um, a pelvic floor specialist as someone who does internal, you know, intravaginal internal body work. And, uh, so like most things I do and I share what I needed. So I was a very sensitive, um, intuitive kid kind of always feeling into that stuff. Um, grew up in a very um, loving but also stressful household. My mom and sister were chronically ill. Um, luckily for us, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome back in the 80s wasn't real. It was not considered a real diagnosis. So the only real assistance my mom could get was from this alternative world. So she's already a yoga teacher, but um, from that place, acupuncture, massage, meditation, shamanic journeying, these were things that I grew up with. So which is important to understand because when I went to college and had a mental breakdown and dropped out of college, I leaned into the foundation of these these kind of alternative approaches to understanding and relating to myself and my my body. And I was diagnosed with PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it's basically like PMS on fucking crack. Like it's, it's terrible. Mm. It's, the, mm. it's, uh, it's like, I used to refer to the myself as the one, it was like being taken over by, by a whole other, I was like, she's here. <laughs> mm. Oh my God. And, um, and I, I, so I really, um, you know, my therapist thought I might be bipolar. She asked me really great therapist. She asked me to chart my emotions and my physical symptoms along with my menstrual cycle. And I learned that it was clockwork. Absolutely. 
even down to hiccups. I get hiccups once a month. Wow. So I was, I really started this process. Once I understood that's what it was, I started the approach of management. And I think this really relates to mindfulness because I began, I I began to understand and really studied my, my internal landscape and the impact it had on the external landscape. And I, uh, shifted and I made all these rules and managed myself in that space. And that was useful. It, it mitigated some of the damage. I wasn't healing in that process. I was just mitigating damage. And I had a turning point in which I shifted from managing to radically accepting myself and recognizing that one of the things that I've been told my whole life was that I was too sensitive. And I realized that I wasn't too sensitive. I was that sensitive. I was so sensitive and that the amount of sensitivity that I had did create an imbalance. I was out of balance. I was out of balance, but the problem wasn't that I had too much sensitivity. It was that I was missing something else. So I started cultivating and really listening really through mindfulness, through really listening to my feelings, listening to my body, listening to the way that I spoke, watching my own patterns, um, began to really see and understand that there were other skills that I hadn't learned. So I learned kind of those skills and that's where like the deck in the book comes in. Like that's where the, I mm-hmm. love my life is like building these other skills that meant my gifts, my sensitivity could stay where it was. I could learn these other things. I'm going to get to the vagina work. I'm almost there. So okay. <laughs> I am, I promise it's all, it's all, but it, to have it really make sense. I feel like it's, it's, it's useful to hear this whole thing. So it's like, I get all this stuff in that process. One of the first things I had to do was recognize that my menstrual cycle was always present where we, we, are hormonal 365 days of the year. We're not just hormonal when we're premenstrual. We are all, everybody, no matter, male body, female body, we're always hormonal. And what I learned was I started to really listen and trust that. So I really got into uh, womb work and, and vagina work from a place of sustaining. So now to be clear, just to kind of close this loop, which is that I was diagnosed with PMDD, 19 symptoms, eight out of 20 symptoms, I had 19. Now, even though I'm, equally different. My hormonal shifts are pretty extreme still. I have two out of those symptoms. I don't even qualify as having PMDD anymore. Um, because of the way that I manage and I move through those changes, I'm not suffering and, and losing my mind in those spaces. So I'm going to make one more loop and then we can come back around that you can ask me about any of this stuff. Um, so what happened was I came into this place and I had a foundation of knowing and trusting my body, um, having deep conversations with my body. I had, I met my now current wife. We had the most incredible sex of my life and it was a few months. And then we had, um, we had one, one night that was just very intense. And then over the next course of the next week, I started getting extreme vaginal pain. My whole, my whole pelvic floor just went into spasm and I was just in extreme pain and I only knew one person who had gone to Burning Man and did some sort of kind of yonic women's thing. And I called her and I said, I need help. And she handed me a book and the book was Tammy Kent's Wild Feminine and Tammy Kent's the physical floor, the physical therapist who does pelvic floor work. And so I worked with her book for a year and then I went and studied with her. And so I learned, so I did a lot of that work and that's actually the book I would recommend um, okay. I'm jumping the gun here, but that's yeah, actually no, the book I would okay. recommend for, for mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's filled with insights and again, exercises, things for you to do that are about bringing understanding and deeper in connection into an area of our body that we've really disowned. And so 
you know, that the pain for me, pain is such an interesting experience in, as a human being, like being here, because pain on the most base level of physical, you know, nociceptors in our body are, it's a signal to change our behavior. It's like if you grab a burning pan and it hurts your hand, it's so you let go of the pan, right? Like this basic principle. And so pain is a signal to change our, change our behavior. The trick and where mindfulness really comes in is knowing what part of our behavior needs to change when that pain is a chronic physical pain or when that pain is an emotional pain, really honing in and finding out what's, what's really asking to be different can be much more complicated than a burning frying pan. Okay, so then we're sometimes reacting in the complete wrong way then. That's right. A pan, we know to let go of the pan or take our hand away from the heat, but with our bodies, we just don't know what to do and we often do the wrong thing. Yeah. So you were experiencing 19 out of 20 of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And w- so was that, Sophia, because you were suppressing your emotions or was there another reason? Principally yes? because I was suppressing my emotions. And um, and the other part that's directly connected to that is that I was suppressing my emotions and I was negating my needs, which was then creating these other emotions. But I just wasn't taking care of myself and the way that I need. And to put that in very literal terms, you know, uh, a lot of people who, um, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like a lot of people who care at all, um, in this world, we're taught that if we're, if we care, we're supposed to just take care of other people instead of ourselves. Yes. I was just thinking that we're so good at taking care of others and worrying about others, but we usually come last. That's right. And, and my body, my, my PMDD, I always say this is, I get very excited about this. Our wisdom will not give up on us Uh and it will get louder and louder and louder until it gets our attention and that our wisdom So, so people who are in PMS or people who are coming off as really highly emotional or crazy often get this pin of like, oh, you're so crazy. But if we think about it like this, that our wisdom sees something happening and, and, and nudges us and we ignore Mm -hmm. it. Right. And then our um, wisdom is like sends us a letter in the mail and we shred it and we don't read it. And then it it calls us and then we turn the ringer off and we're sitting with someone and someone's like, did you just hear that phone ring? And they're like, no, there's no phone. And you're like, "Okay, that was weird. Right. And then your wisdom's like, it's all right. You ignored my message. You ignored my phone call. It's fine. I'm going to come knock on your door. So your wisdom's like knocking on your door and people are like having dinner and there's like knocking on the door. Like, do you hear that knocking there? I was like, nope, nobody's at the door. Nobody here. And it's like things are starting to get weirder and weirder. Right. Crazier and crazier. But then the wisdom doesn't give up. The wisdom starts throwing rocks at your window, starts jumping up and down, screaming in the street you know, screaming, wailing, saying, I have something really important to say. But you take a snapshot of the person who's hiding in the house and the person screaming in the street, and it looks like the person screaming in the street is the crazy one. Right. Right? But it's the person inside who's been ignoring every message that came in a reasonable way that's really, you know, really disconnected. And our wisdom will get, it will get crazy. And that a lot of the times, the more we repress that or the more self-controlled we are, people-pleasing kind of stuff, if we don't want to disrupt, that eruption, that wisdom eruption happens through our body. Wow, I love that analogy. I, I just love it. And, and you know, how we've arrived here with society, you know, basically telling us, hide, 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 push it down, pretend, come on, pretend, you've got to pretend. I mean, that's where we are right now. Yeah. 
But, you know, okay, so I want to ask you this, you know, sometimes we end up with this tremendous pain, maybe, or anxiety in our pelvic floor, yeah. specifically, yeah. does, is pelvic floor a term that you use for men as well as women? Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's yeah. what I figured. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we talked before, uh, another time when I, I met with you, we talked about, you know, chakras and how, you know, people, you know, they can feel a, a stress in their head or pain in their face or, you know, their shoulders are all tense. And these can all be related to chakras in the different parts of your body. You're holding on to all this tension and stress. And, right. and once you learn how to relieve it, it's an amazing experience and someone, you can hire someone to help you relieve that, but they usually stop where? They usually stop, Sophia, where? Just above Just the pelvic above floor. above your pelvis, right. That's right. Literally, right. right. They get right to below your belly button and then it's like, oh, okay, Finished. go down to your thighs or your knees, right? It's like, we're just right. going to skip this foot of territory and it's like... Yes. And that's what happened to me. You know, it was like, I, I, you know, I've been a body worker for over 20 years. I've been receiving body work for almost 25 years now. And it was like, (laughs) when this happened, I was like, I've had fingers in my nose, in my mouth, you know, needles in my eye sockets, in my ears, toes pulled, lifetimes explored, you know, past life regressions, but nobody, there's like four inches that are off limits. Like what? You know, it's like I can tra- I'm allowed to travel to generations ago with ancestors, but like for some reason this four four inches of tissue is like off limits and I was like it can't be off limits anymore and it can't be the responsibility of my partner. Like it's not my wife's job or it's not my husband's job, it's not their job as my as my, you know, partner in life to do the deep therapeutic work of reclaiming an area that has been absolutely taken away from us. But can it be? Can it be something that your partner can help you with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm, I'm assuming the answer is yes, right. but so, that's why I'm asking it. Okay, so I, th- I think this is kind of good in general to think about. My dad, uh, I love my dad. My dad's so good. Um, he used to always tell me about this when I, was a, when I was a teenager and dating. He'd say, you know, Sophia, your relationships can be therapeutic, but your relationships are not supposed to be therapy. Okay. Okay? So, yeah. yes. All right? Your relationship ought to be a healthy, mindful, healing-oriented relationship ought to be therapeutic. It ought to be a relationship that helps bring you into your root, have deeper connection with the tissue, the energy, the emotions that are resting in the pelvic floor. Absolutely. That ought to be something, in theory, um, that can happen. The truth is most of us are have a really hard time being in that space with any amount of connection. And so when we ask two people who have a hard time being in that area to be the main guides, mm-hmm. it's like you blindfold both people and then shove them into the desert and say, help each other out. It's a big trust uh, exercise, but it's dangerous. Sure, sure, sure. It's dangerous. So where do you start? Do you start with the book you talked about? Do you start somewhere else? Tell us that. Yeah. So uh, the book is a great, it's an incredible place to start. Um, I have a little series that I put together that's not even about um, like internal work or, or the other thing that, that Tammy Kent teaches a lot about is the, is the, the womb energy, the generative energy, which everybody has ovaries or uh, testicles, womb energy, like that we kind of have this, this whole creative life force mm-hmm. stuff and that's happening there. One of, the, one of the places that I start, the most basic place is to actually just place your hands about 
two inches off your body, but kind of wrapped right around your pelvis. So you're kind of hovering right around your body and mm-hmm. see if you can breathe and set a timer two minutes and see if you can hold your hands there and breathe and keep your focus just like you would do any other meditation, right? Just trying to okay. stay there. Well, what's interesting mm-hmm. is that most people find it's very hard to stay, keep their focus in the root at all. And so doing that a couple days in a row and then moving your hands to physical contact, touching your body and sending your breath and doing that process. Um, you know, so, so that's one of the ways that I would do just literally, you know, I'm a huge fan of like, just take a little bit of a step back, but then hone your focus. So as opposed to being like, you know, it's like I can, I have a, I have an online, I have like a video series on like the kind of meanings of the pelvic bowl and things like that. And, and you can kind of dive right in and get a ton of information through the book or through my work or through other people talking about, you know, that are kind of out there. Um, but there's also just this basic place of like, what just happens if you put your hands on your own root and, and take two minutes to just breathe and find out like, can you, do you, cause other people do it and they come home immediately. All they needed was permission. They just put their hands there. They send their breath and it's like this memory comes up. It comes and it goes. I have these sensations. I feel really warm. Um, you know, and I'll say one thing that happens is that when we start to get into the, into the root, when we start to get into this base energy, one of my favorite teachings of the, of the root is I'm made of space and matter. Mm -hmm. I take up space and I matter. Right. So this basic principle of it's okay that you're on the planet, which is also something that culturally we don't have permission. We have to earn our right to be on this planet every day. And the basic, the basic teaching and the gift of the root is like, you have the right to be alive because you woke up today because your heart is beating. That's it. Like, that's it. You, and you take up space. You can't be alive and not take up space. And we're taught, especially as caregivers, you know, or marginalized people in general to not take up our own tissue. We're literally supposed to take up less space than our body takes up. And the truth is we actually naturally, our biofield takes up anywhere from another three to six inches off our body. That's ours. That's like, right. that's our, that's our space to have, to, to know, to feel, to, to honor, to celebrate, to, forgive to, you know, like whatever it is to do, to be human, right? Like we're here for yes. a flash to just be, to have the human experience. Like this is the place that we have it. And it sounds like this is a place where you could start if people said, geez, I'm having problems with my confidence. I have no confidence. Oh, this yeah. is about confidence. This Absolutely. is, you know, giving ourselves the right to live that space. And and a thought I had when you were talking, Sophia, is, you know, the drug companies are doing very well. And Viagra is a drug that uh, is just sold left, right, and center. And it makes me wonder, is it Viagra so many of us men need? Or is it something else? Is it because we're literally holding ourselves in? We are Uh literally refusing to admit that we have the right to have an erection, or we have the right to be who we are sexually, as a man, as a woman, whoever we are. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense, Bruce. And and we are, for a culture that's obsessed with sex, nobody's yes. allowed to have it. Right, like Nobody's yeah. allowed to have sex, to be aroused, to, to want the things they want. Oh, and God forbid it be related to children, 
right? God yes. forbid sexuality have anything to do with um, pregnancy or the creative process, right? Or God forbid menstruation has anything to do with sex, that blood might be somehow a sacred and holy thing, right? And it's like, yeah. in my mind, it's like I take a big breath and I like let those stories go because they're just lies. They're just lies. The truth is right. our menstruation blood is holy and sacred. It's potent. It is the fertile land that grows every human being you've ever met. You have never met a human that wasn't grown in the fertile land of menstrual tissue. That erections and the uh, erectile tissue that, oh, that a, a female body has is, has more sensory endings, is, is a place of receptivity, a place of understanding, a place where we receive essential information for enjoyment and pleasure and the creative new life. That these are these are truths, and that we are that we get aroused when we're relaxed, which of course right. we're not course allowed we to do. have, right? We're not allowed to have relaxation. No. And I'm like, okay, that's no. a lie. We are allowed to have relaxation, like, and that our relaxation results in uh, creativity, productivity, sustainability. Like these are actually the truths that are root when we relax and we soften. Not only do we sleep better, because we do, not only do we forgive the people that have transgressed against us, primarily ourselves, because we can let go and it's okay that we're here, we're not dead, and it's okay that we didn't leave yet. So it's there's an okayness that happens, but that we can then also enjoy that like not only it's okay, but that we then have ideas and inspiration to be in connection and, and the drive to be in connection is also holy and sacred. You know, and to have our own personal space is holy and sacred. That, like, right. I love what you said about let go, that we have to let go because so, like, I talk to so many guests, and whether we're talking about your mindset to do with money or whatever it is, we all have these hang ups that we have to let go of. And I mean, this is like the ultimate hang up the, the hang up of sex, the hang up of, you know, hey, I have a penis, I have an erection sometimes, and, but oh, did you just hear me say that? Like, you know what I mean? Like we've no, no, got no, these. No, not you. You can't have we, an erection. It's no, like, no we've got these incredible hangups, and how do we let go of them? I'm going to be interviewing a man who, who was in an, a car accident, a head-on car accident. He was in a coma, and he woke up, and he had forgotten everything. He had forgotten everything, even hangups. How do we forget our hangups, Sophia? Oh, uh, that's a prayer. You know, yeah, like that's yeah. a prayer. And, and one of my favorite things about kind of thinking about prayers or practices is like the honesty and like that slight urgency of a beg, that vulnerability of like, how, like, how do I? And then the surrendering of the how and this openness of like, let me find out, like, let me find out what it looks like to have me not have hangups. Like, let me be willing to surrender and this is, I mean, this is really it. This is how you let go of your hangouts. Be willing to let every single aspect of your life change. Right. That's right. it. Like if you're willing to let your relationship, your career, your, your money, how you feel about animals, what colors you like to see, what food you like to eat, how willing are you to, because all of those things are, are wired in through associations and imprinted and nature and nurture combo. And right. when we really let go of our hangups, I mean, it's incredible when people work with me, you know, it, it, it's, it's this experience of like, I, 
I know everything's like the same, but nothing is the same. Like I literally, I when after I got pelvic floor work for the first time, I came home and I was touching a towel in my bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said to my wife, I said, I know, I know what a towel is. Like, I know I've touched a towel and I know this sounds crazy, but I've never touched a towel before. Mm. <laughs> like this is the, like, this is it. And it's like, it's like that, that hang up, our hang ups are, they're always right. And it's like, give your hang ups a big old fucking hug because they have done everything to keep you alive. Everything, you know, our hang ups are always protective mechanisms. They're always either what right. we're taught how to get through or what we figured out and then it got us through. So give them a big old hug and say, you know what? I don't need to survive like that anymore. I'm going to find a new way to survive. I'm going to take the risk. Right. They served us for a while and uh, that while is over. That time is gone. I'm willing to find a new way. That's the way you let go of your hangups is you give yourself permission to find a new way because it's our nature to constantly change. It's not actually our nature to stay the same, um, though it is our nature to create patterns um, and then like dig, like run those patterns. So it's it's an interesting kind of interplay. You really are the wise one. Mm. Wow. Mm. That was a great answer about how to, yeah, that's awesome. You know, we have fears. Of course we do. We're going to have fears about that, but what the hell? Let it go, right? Let it go. Not easy necessarily. Not that we're saying it is, but that, you know, we just need to believe we're beings of change, not mm-hmm. beings of same. Right. And and I think that's the thing. I think that we, we get in this place. Oh, it's comfortable. Oh, I just feel good here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to just stay right here. And that doesn't work. Well, and like, and, and here's, here's what I say. If you're really happy with your life and you're actually comfortable, you have my blessings. Like stay, stay as long as it's delicious. Like, you know what I mean? Like whatever. If it's truly delicious. It's truly delicious. Now here's the truth. It's going to change anyway. Right. Right, right, Like here's the thing. It's like even the best parts are going to, it's going to shift. So in the meantime, if it's delicious and like honesty, right? Like the most, the powerful prayer is an honest prayer, which is like my life should be comfortable and I'm fucking bored as shit and I hate it is a very powerful statement. And there's a lot of people, um, right now and maybe somebody listening right now, like really, you it's like, it's like you have everything. You have all the box is checked, but it doesn't feel like it's your life, you know? And that's a lot, that's like classic, like kind of pelvic floor experience of like, I'm not in the seat of my own life. I'm not in, I'm not in the seat of my own power, in the seat of my being. I'm running a life that I'm supposed to be running, but like, I'm not attached. I'm not, my heart's not in it. My roots, not in it. My being isn't in it. I'm just, I'm waiting to find my life. Sophia, were you ever bullied? Is there a way mindfulness could have helped that, either in your adult life, your child life? Were you ever bullied? So I have two answers to that question. Um, One is I was really um, blessed with some really beautiful education growing up. Mm -hmm. So I was made fun of. I've, I've been the weirdo amongst weirdos my whole life. Like even amongst a hippie school, they were like, she's even weirder than the rest of us. Um, so I got called a lot of names. I mean, Mm. a freak, a weirdo. You're so weird. Um, why do you blank, blank, blank? Um, in high school, some of my best friends would make fun of me, but they were funny. So I would laugh and then they got mad at me, but I was like, but you're witty. So I don't know. I don't mind being the butt of a joke. 
Um, so there's elements that, yes, I was bullied and yes, there was shrinking there that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm also really blessed cause I had a lot of mindfulness in a lot of those circumstances and had a lot of compassion for the people picking on me. But the real, the real answer that I want to share with you and that I thought about when I, that first question, you know, when that first question started percolating, thinking mm-hmm. about Joe, um, I was my worst bully. Okay. And, um, I, I could just, can I tell you a little medicine story? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I was probably about 20. I had dropped out of college. I, um, decided to go to massage school. I followed my hands to massage, went to become a body worker. And, um, I was in, this is when I was kind of in the peak. I was weeping anywhere from like two to five times a day, um, I had just found out that I was in the process of tracking and, and kind of really getting the sense really on the onset of, of tracking and managing my PMDD. And I, uh, somehow, I don't know how I found myself in a, in a meditation and I went to, to visit my inner child and there she was. And, um, it was just an empty space and there was this little girl in a corner and she was just like very upset. And I went to walk towards her and she just pulled away from me like really hard. And I looked at her and she was, I mean, Bruce, she was like bloody and br- I mean, it was, t- it was, it was terrible. And I was sitting there, I was standing there in this vision. And I said like, who did this to you? Like what happened? Like who did this to you? And she wouldn't look at me and she wouldn't turn towards me at all. And I looked down in my vision and I was standing on a pile of bricks And every time that little girl asked me for something, I would throw a brick at her. Oh, wow. Every time she said something hurt or that she needed something or she was scared, I would say, stop it. You're the problem. Shut up. Go away. Wow. And it was so clear that this like innocent, sweet being who just didn't want to be hurt by the world or by the person I was dating or by family patterns, like that anything she asked for, I just literally just begged her to go away and would scream and throw things. And so I started a practice right then and there. And it took a couple weeks, but every day I would go back to this vision and and from right at that moment in this vision, standing on these bricks, I said to her, like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know I was doing this. Like, I would never do this on purpose. I would never do this on purpose. Like, I can't believe I'm that person. Like, but I am. No one else is here. And you're terrified of me, you know? And so I like, you know, I stepped away from the bricks and I said, I didn't know, but now I know. And I won't do it again. Like, I won't do it again. And I understand that you're mad at me. And so I went every day. And in my vision, I would just say to her, like, I'm here and I'm sorry, and I'm, and I'm not going to do it again. And I'm just listening. And slowly she softened. And eventually, you know, I I would say maybe four or five days of me going back and just really kind of pleading my case, but giving her space, you know? And, uh, and I always have that image of beauty and the beast when she's like cleaning the wounds, like the rag and the bucket. And I, and she came towards me and she started to, I said, please let me tend you. 
please let me tend these wounds. I know I created them, but let me tend you. And so I, I cleaned the blood off her arms and, and, and then I would, I would bring this balm, you know, calendula mm-hmm. oil, I'd, you know, bring this healing balms. And so I cleaned her up and then I would balm the wounds and I would just do that. And she wouldn't talk, but she would let me do that. And then about maybe a week and a half or two weeks later, when I would go as I was, and the wounds were starting to heal, she started to talk and she just started to talk like, like the way that kids talk, you know, she Mm -hmm. just started to talk about like the things, like whatever it was, you know, and, um, and she just started to talk and then I'd ask her questions and sometimes I'd ask serious questions and sometimes I'd ask playful questions and she would answer and then slowly the wounds healed and she began to play. And the bricks were gone and she would come and sit with me and she would say, come, take an adventure. And I would go and I would do this journey. Um, and we had to come up with a new system. I said, okay, if I'm, if I'm not paying attention to you, you got to like pull on my skirt, you know, like I, we got to find, right. a, we got to find a new way. So that's really my, that's my most powerful bully story. Wow. And that is incredibly powerful and it's incredibly powerful because I think it applies to every one of us. Yeah. Every one of us, we can all of a sudden if you allow yourself to see, hey, maybe that's you, maybe that's me. Yeah. That's so incredibly powerful. Sophia, wow, wise one. Man, I can see why you are Sophia, wise one. Sophia, I want to move on and I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Who is one person who has influenced the mindfulness in your life? So Larry Ward, Peggy and Larry Ward are two Dharma teachers in Titnat Han's lineage. And Larry Ward is like a, he was like a Baptist, Southern Baptist preacher. And he teaches the Dharma like a, like a Baptist preacher. And, um, and, and they're my wife's Dharma teachers. I see that my wife and the, the, the two of them have, um, really helped translate my experience of what embodiment is and what, um, really, really living your life in a mindful way and owning and not being afraid of the human experience. Um, they all really teach and talk about Buddhism in a way that's very like lived and full bodied, um, and mindfulness in a way that's very, uh, life giving as opposed to sometimes it can come off as to me a little restricting a little bit of like do gooding play by the rules. Um, and I think, you know, Larry Ward and Peggy Ward have really, really talk about it in a way that's, uh, very life-giving. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Mindfulness has resulted in my ability to feel my feelings. I used to weep when I would weep those two to five times a day. That was what I refer to as um, emotive dissociation. It's uh, mm-hmm. like a like a hyperactive kind of dissociation as opposed to a quiet shutdown dissociation. I would I would totally leave my body while I was like weeping and screaming, and mindfulness or the practice of really being with what's happening has brought me into an experience of actually being with feeling my body, feeling my feelings, which allows them to come and go, and allows me to be um, to actually have a peace inside me that I thought people were just. Uh, a little bit lying about like happiness and peace that like inside space. Um, it's like, though there really is like, even on, on the hardest days now, there's a, there's a, there's a, a peace and a happiness in me. That's, that's grateful to be here. Even if I'm feeling sad and exhausted and vulnerable. And that's one of the first things I thought about you, Sophia, when I met you is you're not lying about your feelings. Mm. 
I thought that immediately. I was never good at it. It was just messier before. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how breathing is a part of your mindfulness. Oh my Sophia. god! <laughs> it's a part of everything. Uh, yeah, it's just like in, out, meet the space in between. Like in, meet the space, the turning point. Out, meet the space, the turning point. Like that's all we're doing. We're inhaling life force. We're exhaling life force. We're creating life force, and we're birthing life force. Like the breath is the energy is the life force. Like we're either, we're either actively in the flow or we're fighting with being in existence, right. you know? And just recently I had my, I was sharing with Bruce before we got, we were sharing with you this before, you know, recently I got him one of those like edgy in my dirt kind of, you know, very not pretty pattern stuff. And yeah. I was very upset. I, I screamed and then I was crying and then I couldn't get my breath. I couldn't get my breath. And I watched myself. This is mindfulness, right? I watched myself. Um, I watched my stubbornness not want to breathe. I watched my stubbornness want to keep holding my breath. Wow. And I was just like, all right, well, you know what, stubbornness, you can be stubborn, but I'm still going to breathe. And I just, it was this, like, that was, I was fighting with being like, I'm going to hold my breath and be in resistance to my, and I was like, I'm also, and now I'm going to breathe. And I, I, took, I had a mala, I was chanting and, um, I did went around that mala. I just went around that mala three over three times, you know, each round is 108. So I did whatever, 336 over three and just chanting, just being like, I'm going to breathe every breath, like every, every chant, every breath. I'm just going to keep going until I'm breathing again because I'm, I'm fighting breathing. Um, you know, and so that's it, one of my, my, my mama taught me that the Dalai Lama says enlightenment is just breathing in any situation. Ah. Uh. You know, it's like, and no matter the situation, you just keep breathing steady, like breathing. having a steady breath. And so, you know, last night when I was not in my steady breath, I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fighting being here. And so my only work in this moment, my only work as a human being on this planet right now is to just get my breath back. That's it. That's it. So just have it in and out to have the breath be moving instead of fighting with breathing. And sometimes that's hard work. You know, sometimes that is, it's, it's, it's moment by moment, especially when we're, I'd say breath by breath, but when we're holding our breath, it's moment by moment of, and that's that choice because that bringing it back to what we were saying, I had to choose that letting go. I had to choose to let go of all of the stories. I had to choose to be different. I had to choose to uh, let the anger go and let the grief come in and then let the grief come in and let the acknowledgement come in and then let the anger come back in. Like that's what happens when we breathe. The feelings come and they go and then new feelings come and then they go and then other feelings. And that's it. And then we just do that for a really long time and then we die. And then that's life. Yeah. That's, that's life. That's and then we die. And yeah. then we just die and we do something. I love, how, I love how focused that is and how simple it is. And yet, of course, it's not simple, but and, oh, it's and a I'll simple concept. So the, yes. the pelvic floor, talking about vagina therapy, the pelvic yeah. floor is, we talk about diaphragm and breath a lot as the diaphragm of our abdomen, but the pelvic okay. floor is actually also a diaphragm. Oh. It's literally a diaphragm and it is a diaphragm that affects the breath. So when I'm talking about breathing, I'm not just talking about talking about into my diaphragm. I'm talking into my pelvic floor diaphragm and my abdominal di diaphragm. And when you breathe into the pelvic floor diaphragm, it changes everything and it interrupts the um, patterns of uh, that, like that dissociative out of your body thing that happens. So when I'm breathing into the roof of my mouth, the soft palate is also a diaphragm, soft palate abdominal diaphragm, pelvic floor, I'm now breathing into these three anchors of, 
of of being in time and space. And when if I can get those three anchors in, then I'm then I'm here. And if I can't, then I know what my work is, which is to bring me here. The next question is about the book, and you've already said it, but could you say it again slowly and clearly so that we can hear the name of that book and the name of that author? And of course, I will put it in our show notes too. Great. It's Tammy Lynn Kent, Wild Feminine. And it has like a subtitle that I'm not remembering. That's okay. Wild Feminine. But if you look up Wild Feminine, Tammy Lynn Kent, it pops up immediately. Right. And uh, holistic pelvic care. I'll just say that out loud too. If you're looking or interested in, um, there's pelvic floor work, but holistic pelvic care work is the, you know, energetic breath. It's, it's the body work and the breath work, um, that really helps shift and, and, and activate and bring us home into this landscape. And so you can look that up. You can put your state in, you know, like put in Massachusetts and holistic pelvic care and providers will, uh, pop up. Okay. Thanks for that tip. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful or somebody that, you know, I use, um, the insight timer. Oh, yes. Yeah. So do I. I like that. I uh, have some meditations on there, and I'm going to add more. Yay. There we go. Yeah. Insight Timer is great. Well, Sophia, this has been absolutely an amazing conversation. I thank you so much for sharing your wise knowledge with all of us here, all of Mindful Tribe. Thank you. I'm so honored that you were willing to come and join and share Thank you so much. How can we connect with you? How how can we learn more about what you do, Sophia? Yeah, great question. Um, I just want to say thank you, Bruce. Your your work in this world and these conversations and having them be so real and your vulnerability and honesty to just kind of get in there is so heartwarming. And I just really treasure our connection and your work. So thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, well, I love Instagram. Uh, that's my jam. Uh, so you can come find me there everywhere. I am. I'm at Sophia wise one, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and my website is Sophia wise one.com. And I will say that I will be launching a podcast, uh, entitled vagina talks. And so cool. It's all about embodiment and, and really yeah. this deep mindful living. So, um, you know, so you can, you know, join my email list through my website, find out about the podcast and do all that stuff there as well as yeah. Instagram and other places. I'm so excited you're starting a podcast because when we talked at the New Media Summit in San Diego, you know, you said, but I don't know what to call it. I don't know what to call it. And I think I, it was me who said, I How think about it was Vagina you, Talks. <laughs> it's, and you, we went right away and you, you saved that URL. You, you bought the URL. So that is so exciting. Let us know when that goes live. Oh, I can't thank wait. You. Yeah. So. Beautiful. That's awesome. Well, you are beautiful. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much, Sophia, for being on the show today. Blessings, yeah. everyone. Yeah, you too. Yeah. All the best to you. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.